Chapter Nine, Section Two, of Capital, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Capital: A Critical Analysis of Capitalist Production, Volume One, by Karl Marx. Translated from the Third German Edition by Samuel Moore and Edward Aveling, and edited by Friedrich Engels. Part Three. The Production of Absolute Surplus Value, Chapter Nine, The Rate of Surplus Value, Section Two, The Representation of the Components of the Value of the Product by Corresponding Proportional Parts of the Product Itself. Let us now return to the example by which we were shown how the capitalist converts money into capital. The product of a working day of twelve hours is twenty pounds of yarn, having a value of thirty shillings. No less than eight tenths of this value, or twenty-four shillings, is due to mere reappearance in it, of the value of the means of production. Twenty pounds of cotton value twenty shillings, and spindle worn away four shillings. It is therefore constant capital. The remaining two sixths, or six shillings, is the new value created during the spinning process. Of this, one half replaces the value of the day's labor power, or the variable capital. The remaining half constitutes a surplus value of three shillings. The total value then of the twenty pounds of yarn is made up as follows: thirty shillings value of yarn equals twenty-four shillings constant plus three shillings variable plus three shillings surplus. Since the whole of this value is contained in the twenty pounds of yarn produced, it follows that the various components parts of this value can be represented as being contained respectively in corresponding parts of the product. If the value of thirty shillings is contained in twenty pounds of yarn, then eight tenths of this value, or the twenty-four shillings that form its constant part, is contained in eight tenths of the product, or in sixteen pounds of yarn. Of the latter, thirteen and one-third represent the value of the raw material, the twenty shillings worth of cotton spun, and two and two-thirds pounds represents the four shillings worth of spindle and etc. worn away in the process. Hence, the whole of the cotton used up in spinning the twenty pounds of yarn is represented by thirteen and one-third pounds of yarn. This latter weight of yarn contains, it is true, by weight, no more than thirteen and one-third pounds of cotton, worth thirteen and one-third shillings, but the six and two-thirds shillings additional value contained in it are the equivalent for the cotton consumed in spinning the remaining six and two-thirds pounds of yarn. The effect is the same as if those six and two-thirds pounds of yarn contained no cotton at all, and the whole twenty pounds of cotton were as concentrated in the thirteen and one-third pounds of yarn. The latter weight, on the other hand, does not contain an atom either of the value of the auxiliary materials and implements, or of the value newly created in the process. In the same way, the two and two-thirds pounds of yarn, in which the four shillings, the remainder of the constant capital, is embodied. Represents nothing but the value of the auxiliary materials and instruments of labor consumed in producing the twenty pounds of yarn. We have therefore arrived at this result: although eight tenths of the product, or sixteen pounds of yarn, is in its character of an article of utility just as much the fabric of the spinner's labor as the remainder of the same product, yet when viewed in this connection, it does not contain and has not absorbed any labor expended during the process of spinning. It is just as if the cotton had converted itself into yarn without help, as if the shape it had assumed was mere trickery and deceit. For so soon as our capitalist sells it for twenty-four shillings and with the money replaces his means of production, 
it becomes evident that this sixteen pounds worth of yarn is nothing more than so much cotton and spindle waste in disguise. On the other hand, the remaining two-tenths of the product, or four pounds of yarn, represent nothing but the new value of six shillings created during the twelve hours' spinning process. All the value transferred to those four pounds from the raw material and instruments of labor consumed was, so to say, intercepted, in order to be incorporated into the sixteen pounds first spun. In this case, it is as if the spinner had spun four pounds of yarn out of air, or as if he had spun them without the aid of cotton and spindles, that, being the spontaneous gift of nature, transferred no value to the product. Of this four pounds of yarn, in which the whole of the value newly created during the process is condensed, one half represents the equivalent for the value of labor consumed, or the three shillings variable capital, the other half represents the three shillings surplus value. Since twelve working hours of the spinner are embodied in six shillings, it follows that in yarn of the value of thirty shillings there must be embodied sixty working hours, and this quantity of labor-time does in fact exist in the twenty pounds of yarn, for in eight-tenths or sixteen pounds there are materialized the forty-eight hours of ten labor expended, before the commencement of the spinning process, on the means of production, and in the remaining two-tenths or four pounds, there are materialized the twelve hours' work done during the process itself. On a former page we saw that the value of the yarn is equal to the sum of the new value created during the production of that yarn, plus the value previously existing in the means of production. It has now been shown how the various component parts of the value of the product, parts that differ functionally from each other, may be represented by corresponding proportional parts of the product itself. To split up in this manner the product into different parts, of which one represents only the labor previously spent on the means of production, or the constant capital, another only the necessary labor spent during the process of production, or the variable capital, and another and last part only the surplus labor expended during the same process, or the surplus value, to do this, is, as will be seen later on from its application to complicated and hitherto unsolved problems, no less important than it is simple. In the preceding investigation, we have treated the total product as the final result, ready for use, of a working day of twelve hours. We can, however, follow this total product through all the stages of its production, and in this way we shall arrive at the same result as before, if we represent the partial products, given off at the different stages, as functionally different parts of the final or total product. The spinner produces in twelve hours twenty pounds of yarn, or in one hour one and two-thirds pounds. Consequently, he produces in eight hours twelve and two-thirds pounds, or a partial product equal in value to all the cotton that is spun in a whole day. In like manner, the partial product of the next period of one hour and thirty-six minutes is two and two-thirds pounds of yarn. This represents the value of the instruments of labor that are consumed in twelve hours. In the following hour and twelve minutes, the spinner produces two pounds of yarn worth three shillings, a value equal to the whole value he creates in his six hours' necessary labor. Finally, in the last hour and twelve minutes, he produces another two pounds of yarn, whose value is equal to the surplus value created by his surplus labor during half a day. This method of calculation serves the English manufacturer for everyday use. It shows, he will say, that in the first eight hours, or two-thirds of the working day, he gets back the value of his cotton, and so on for the remaining hours. It is also a perfectly correct method. 
being in fact the first method given above with this difference, that instead of being applied to space, in which the different parts of the completed product lie side by side, it deals with time, in which those parts are successively produced. But it can also be accompanied by very barbarian notions, more especially in the heads of those who are as much interested, practically, in the process of making value beget value, as they are in misunderstanding that process theoretically. Such people may get the notion into their heads that our spinner, for example, produces or replaces in the first eight hours of his working day the value of the cotton, in the following hour and thirty-six minutes the value of the instruments of labor worn away, in the next hour and twelve minutes the value of the wages, and that he devotes to the production of surplus value for the manufacturer only that well-known last hour. In this way the poor spinner is made to perform the twofold miracle, not only of producing cotton, spindles, steam-engine, coal, oil, etc., at the same time that he spins with them, but also of turning one working-day into five. For, in the example we are considering, the production of the raw materials and instruments of labor demands four working-days of twelve hours each, and their conversion into yarn requires another such day. That the love of lucre induces an easy belief in such miracles, and that sycophant doctrinaires are never wanting to prove them, is vouched for by the following incident of historical celebrity. End of section 25